and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ plus authors. I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Bailey Bridgewater. Hello, Bailey. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. I love when people are doing great. <laughs> A lot of people aren't, so, you know. That's true, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Well, thanks for being on the show, Bailey. Um, we have never met, so this is this is our first encounter, and I am really happy and pleased to meet you. Um, and I'm super excited to be here. Oh, uh, awesome, awesome. So, so I'm just gonna lead with this question, Bailey. I was okay. uh, doing a little research. I always, you know, look into the to the folks I'm interviewing, and and I saw this book called. Things Nutritional Consultants Say Coloring Book <laughs> by Bailey Bridgewater. <laughs> so I'm wondering, is this your book? And and if it is, like, what's it all about? I love that you found that. And, and interestingly, just a few months ago, I got the little notification from Goodreads that says something like, is this your book? Claim your title. And I'm like, no, but I wish it was. Um, there's there's another Bailey Bridgewater out there who's written this book, and if and if you looked at it, you saw that yeah, it's it's a coloring book of clean swear words, so you can color in phrases like "mother trucker" and "oh shucks," <laughs> and I just have so many questions about this because it's also a book of things that nutritional consultants say. So are they saying these things to patients? Are patients saying these things when they go to the nutritional consultant? But either way, I feel like I need that book because I swear really badly. <laughs> and I'm always trying to stop. And if I could just color in, oh, shucks, I think that might help. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I really want to meet this other Bailey Bridgewater because I feel like they just have to be fascinating. That is really wild. That really is. <laughs> it's um, so random, but also so great. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of random that um, <laughs> nutritional consultants would <laughs> talk like that. Um, yeah, have yeah. their own set of clean swear words. I'm fascinated. So if the other Bailey Bridgewater's listening, text me because I feel like we need to go have a drink. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, the book was sold out on Amazon. Like they did, so it it must be super popular. Um, I I can see why. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. That's wild. That is wild. So no coloring book for this Bailey, huh? No coloring book yet. Oh. Though so, so I guess if I had a coloring book, it would be like a coloring book of of crime scenes, or and you know, I'm not sure if people need that. Yeah, like weapons and you know, <laughs> clue rooms. <laughs> oh, ooh, that okay. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what? You know what comes to mind? Remember color forms? I don't know if you remember. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like color forms, like where you would like kind of build a room with those little things and. Yeah. Put... Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if they still make those anymore, but. Good question. Yeah. So, um, Bailey, you do have a book though. Called, <laughs> <I do>. yes. <laughs> called come find me in the midnight um and this was recently released right 
Um, will be. So come find me in the Midnight Sun is going to be released in November. Okay. Yep. And um, it is uh, released through Bold Strokes Books, right? Uh-huh. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, uh, like what is the the premise of this novel? Sure. So come find me in the midnight sun is about missing persons in Alaska, um, which is not a subject that I ever would have thought about writing about. Um, but the, the story behind the book is that I was doing a writing residency in Lake Clark national park in Alaska really rural you got to get there by like a small plane and then a boat and then like some hiking it's it's beautiful it's really rural so i was out there and i had i had pitched a short story collection for my time there and so it was one of those moments where i got out there and i started writing and i just realized on that first day like this is not the project i should be working on and i kind of panicked because you know you've only got so much time in these residencies Mm-hmm. And so I started reading, you know, Alaska is a, a very inspiring place. I started reading about Alaska, hoping I would I would kind of find an idea. And I started finding all these articles about the the missing people who go, you know, who go missing from Alaska each year. Twenty three hundred people annually disappear from Alaska. Wow. Twice as much as as anywhere else in the U.S., um, and so, That's you know, I, I went kind of down, yeah, I went down this rabbit hole of like, I need to know more. But as I started to read, I started to wonder, you know, what's it like to be the state troopers who are assigned to these cases? Each of those troopers can cover an area that's as large as my home state of Maryland. Wow. Um, and you're you're trying to find one person. Oh, my goodness. It's like trying to find a needle in a, a, a frozen haystack. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, and that's kind of what prompted the book for me was kind of thinking, you know, these troopers have sto- have a story, obviously. Um, and I want to just dive in and, and kind of try and tell one of those stories. So so the book follows Louisa Leinbach, who is a new Alaska state trooper. She's new to the force and she's assigned one of these missing persons cases. And as she investigates, more mysteries start kind of piling on on top of that mystery. Wow, that is pretty amazing that out of uh, like a real life situation, you uh, created this fictional uh, <laughs> piece of work. That is great. And um, your time in Alaska, um, were you able to incorporate some of those like um, adventures into this book? Yeah, to, to some extent, it's, it's more the settings. Okay. Um, you know, the, the kind of adventures that come up in this book are not necessarily adventures I might want to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a crime novel. Um, but yeah, I was able to, in addition to Lake Clark, I was able to, to go down to Seward and spend some time there. And Seward is where the novel is primarily set. Oh. Um, so there's a lot of, of details that come from you know, my, my time there, just watching the wildlife and just kind of learning the, the culture of Seward and, and you know, how people are and, and what kinds of things they, they do around there. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely in there. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So so tell us, Bailey, what is the significance of the title? Come find me in the midnight sun. Yeah, I started <laughs> I started writing the book and I started calling it that right away. And then it's funny because as soon as I started pitching it to, to agents, Stephanie Meyer released a book called Midnight Sun. And I was like, ah, 
man. <laughs> You're like, that Thankfully, was mine. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Like, thanks, Meyer. Thankfully, <laughs> there should be little confusion about which, which book is uh, maybe, I don't, I think hers might be about vampires <laughs> and which one is, is not. Uh -huh. But so the significance is Alaska is, is often referred to as the land of the midnight sun because in the summer, which is when I was there, mm -hmm. the sun doesn't really fully set. Mm -hmm. You get these incredibly long days where, you know, I'd pop out of my little cabin at 2 a.m. And, and the sun was still up. Wow. Um, and even when it does go down, you don't get a full dark. Uh, you get this kind of, of civil twilight. Hmm. Uh, so that's why Alaska is called the midnight sun. The, the come find me part, I wanted the focus to really be on the people who go missing. Mm -hmm. So the come find me is to kind of indicate like they're beckoning like these people are out there they just need to be found and i think you know even people who go missing sort of on purpose mm -hmm. like part of everybody wants to be found mm -hmm. yeah. and so that that's why the come find me part okay all right i get that um is this is this your first published work or um do you have other published works yeah so it's my first published novel oh okay. um I, yeah, I have a chapbook that was published last year by Red Bird, Red Bird Chapbooks. So it's called A Map of Safe Places. Um, and so, it, as you might imagine, it's stories that are that are all kind of themed around what it means to be to be safe and what a safe place is. Um, so the settings in that book range from you know a city that's that's going through a war. One one of the stories is set in a gay club. Another is a, a dystopian sort of gated seaside village. Uh, so that that book is out there. And then um, I've also published a, a dissertation for my PhD. So I think a good like two people have read that. I'm, wow. I'm not sure if it counts or not. <laughs> Heck yeah. You put a lot of work into that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, my God. yeah. Like four years of. Yeah. <laughs> not the most fun work in the world. Then what was that dissertation on? So I was studying um, writing tutors in multilingual writing centers. So for my research, I actually went to South Africa and was kind of embedded in a writing center in Stellenbosch. And, and so, you know, students in South Africa, they'll say, oh, I, I only speak four languages fluently, but I'm learning like three others. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of studying like when you speak that many languages and when everyone around you speaks all these languages, how do you code switch? You know, how do you switch back and forth to make your meaning known? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's what I was kind of looking at. Yeah. And what language do you dream in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's a great question. And a lot of the people I talked to said they're, they code switch in their dreams. Really? Too. <laughs> you know, it depends who else is in their dream and, and who they're, you know, it's, it's a fascinating question. Oh, wow. That's wild. So uh, what, what was the name of your novel with the short stories? Um, so the short story collection is a map of safe places, a map of safe, safe places. Okay. Mm -hmm. And is that still available? Like if our listeners wanted to check yeah. that out? Yeah, that's still on the Red Bird website. Red Bird. Yeah. Okay. I'm not familiar with Red Bird. Red Bird chat books are a, a a nice little organization, a very small press, okay. but they all their books are like hand bound. It's really sweet. Oh, wow. That's neat. That's really cool. So what, what made you decide to submit your manuscript to bold strokes then? 
Yeah, and actually, it took me it took me a while to find bold strokes. Uh, I probably wasted a lot of time. So when I when I first wrote the book, I I thought you know I would just go the the agent route because I didn't know a lot about publishing. You know when I when I started, and that's you know that's what people do, right? They they query agents, mm -hmm. and so I queried it with agents, and I got some some really good responses. I had a lot of full manuscript requests and. I had two of them say, oh, you know, well, we, we like it, but we want you to rewrite it. Um, and so, you know, one of them gave me like a paragraph of, of suggestions. The other just kind of said, I'd love to see a rewrite. And so I rewrote it twice. And I, I realized after I'd rewritten it, it was getting away from where I wanted it to be. It didn't feel true to the, to the story anymore. Mm. And so I kind of took a step back and I said, you know, what I really want is somebody who believes in this book as it is mm -hmm. and is willing to guide me through the revision process to get it where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And so the, the solution then became some of the smaller presses and some of the smaller publishers and so bold strokes made the most sense because um, you know Louisa's a lesbian character, mm -hmm. um, and I'm a, a queer author. I'm not a lesbian, but I identify most closely as Ace and Arrow. Mm -hmm. And so I knew, you know, with a, a queer publisher, you can get, you know, you get a supportive experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd heard good things about bold strokes. I read good things about them, and you know, when I contacted them, they were just as lovely as I thought they would be, oh, <laughs> and nice. they've been. They've been a great fit. And my editor has been an absolute gem. Uh, um, you want to give a so shout they, out they, to they, your editor? Yeah, Anissa. Yeah, she's great. Oh, good. Um, so they, they've really turned out to be exactly what I was looking for. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad that worked out for you. Well, me too, because it's, it's a scary process and there's all that rejection involved. And so when you finally find someone who says like, oh, hey, we like this. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, kind of like settling in, feeling like home, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So um, Louisa, right? She's like your main character, right? Um, mm -hmm. I had also um, read that you have already written a sequel yes. and and it's due out next summer yeah. um and and when you wrote the first one when you wrote uh come find me in the midnight sun did you intend mm -hmm. to write a sequel no um no i i really didn't um which i think was a good thing because you know it it started out as a standalone novel and then kind of as i worked through it and as anissa my editor and i worked through it i kind of realized there there was a lot more to unpack uh there was a, a lot more to the story and so I, I changed the ending a bit in such a way that that it could be open um and so yeah the sequel the land of death and double devil's club will come out in june and that it just picks the story kind of right back up from the end of come find me hmm. that that sounds pretty ominous the land of death and devil's club yeah, devil's club is a, a plant that they have in alaska and, and some of the other northwest states and you don't want to encounter it it's a it's a vicious little plant <laughs> oh is that Very is it prickly Yes, it's it's got these really beautiful white flowers when it blooms, but it's covered in spikes. <laughs> okay, yeah, I I kind of remember reading about that. Now that you say that, yeah, yeah, wow. So um, the story picks up then with Louisa um, mm -hmm. 
Okay, great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And that does but that doesn't come out till next summer. So June ish, right? Yeah, yeah. So so people will have to wait about eight months to to pick the story back up. So, okay. Yep. So when you um like did you already have that written when you approached Bold Strokes or did you write that after they agreed to publish uh Come Find Me in the Midnight Sun? So they agreed to publish Come Find Me in the Midnight Sun. I went through the whole editing process with that. And then I wrote a proposal for Land of Death and Devil's Club. And they decided to publish that one based on the proposal, which was which was a little challenging and different for me because usually I you know, I never really done a proposal for. I usually just write the book. It just comes out, you know, as it comes out. Yeah. So but it was nice in a way because the proposal is really detailed. And so it gave me it's it's like working from an outline, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was kind of writing to the proposal. So it was a different process. Um, but I that book came out and well, you know, I wrote it in a month. Wow. Um, yeah, so I wrote it really, really fast. I was living in in Portland at the time, and I just kind of my dog and I settled into this one coffee shop, and we were there for four hours every morning just writing that book. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! That really is. <laughs> my um, dog loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your dog's name? That uh, Miss Harley. She is an an eighteen year old shelter mix lab lab pit bull something. Miss Harley, well, <laughs> awesome. That's funny. Uh, our our neighbor across the street uh, had a dog named Harley, and they just moved. And the people who bought their house now have a dog named Harley. It's funny because you know her name's Harley, my name's Bailey, and so we both have dog names. Uh, <laughs> always say to me like, "Oh, Bailey, that's my dog's name." Oh my goodness, that's funny. And so when I encounter a human named Harley, I bite my tongue. I'm like, I'm not gonna say. Oh. I'm not. Gonna- and that's my dog's name. <laughs> that's an old time name. I actually had an uncle named Harley. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking like Harley Quinn, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, that's a, a female though, right? Yep, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's, uh, you know. Uh, Gender neutral name. Def- definitely. How about that? So um, are you working on anything are there going to be any more books in the louisa series uh i am always working on something (laughs) (laughs) right now i'm actually writing a a western which is totally unrelated to the louisa series um but i am entertaining the idea of continuing uh with the louisa series but i think what i would do uh is is possibly switch points of view so if you've read tana french's the dublin murder squad series Mm -hmm. She does this thing where each book is written from the perspective of a different cop. Oh, yeah. Okay. But they're all kind of related. So you yeah. get the same characters coming up. So I'm I'm entertaining that. But there is actually, there is a third book in the series that I've already written. Um, it's not contracted yet. Okay. So I'm not sure. But it's it's a prequel and it covers um, the, the CPS case that kind of sends Louisa off to Alaska. She has this very disastrous child services case that prompts her to, to leave Seattle and go to Alaska and it covers that. Wow. We'll see what happens with that one. Okay. So you haven't <laughs> pitched that one yet. No, no, I've, I've got it written, but I'm kind of, we're kind of waiting um, because it's been so fast with the first two novels, you know, mm-hmm. s- slow down a minute. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, I want to ask you about Louisa. 
Let's yeah. let's talk more about her. So what what do you like most about her? What do I like most about her? Yeah, she's a piece of, she's a piece of work. Um, How so? One of my professors would say she's a study. Oh. Um, she has there's a lot going on. She's she's got a really complicated history, really complicated family relationships, but she's also repressed a lot. Um, and so things will, will come out and you're like, where's that coming from? And she, but she doesn't know where it's coming from. Okay. Um, but in, in terms of things I like about Louisa, even the, I think even though she's not Alaskan, she's, she's from Washington. She has this very kind of Alaskan energy to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and folks who've, who've spent a lot of time there will know what I mean, but she's, she's a problem solver. Uh, she's she's someone who's not going to sit around and talk about a problem. She's going to go try and fix it. Okay. Um, she's very self sufficient. I was going to say she's independent. Very, yeah. Yeah. She's really well to a fault. Really. Okay. <laughs> she has trouble relying on other people sometimes. Okay. Um, but yeah. But she, you know, she is independent. She's very brave. She's very driven. She's very focused. Um, so so I do I like that. I admire that about her. How about uh, would you describe her as raw? Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. She's she's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I think of someone who would go to Alaska, just, you know, like I, I would think of, and, and live there and take up life there. Um, yeah. As someone who's pretty raw, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, it's well, and, and to and that comes up actually a lot in the book to live in Alaska it requires a very certain a certain kind of, of personality, especially to get through the winter. You know, you've got these months where it's cold and it's dark, you know, in the middle of the winter, it's dark almost all day long. Yeah. To, to be able to get yourself through that, you have to have a pretty strong constitution and a very strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I think for Louisa, you know, when she goes to Alaska, I think she, she kind of realizes there's work I've got to do if I'm going to be a person who can live in Alaska all year round. Um, And so throughout the book, she kind of, and throughout the series, really, she's working to kind of, to be that, that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way you initially described her just reminded me like, that's, I I want to say stereotypical of cops, you know? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I, I mean, Alaskan state troopers are cop, and Alaskan, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's quite a combination. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have to be really independent, really gritty workers. Wow. So, uh, what do you like least about her? Oh, well, for one, she's she's hard to write, um, <laughs> mm. and it is written from her first person point of point of view. So, when I'm writing Louisa, I really have to get into her mindset, and Louisa has extremely severe anxiety Mm. um which which i have generalized anxiety too and social anxiety as well but louise's is like a level above (laughs) Mm. and so to get into her mindset you know i have to get in in touch with that anxiety it it can be really draining um which is why you know when i'm writing a book that features her which is why i write it so fast um, because I want to get into that mindset, get it out, and get out of there. <laughs> wow, that is um, incredible. And it's... I think I always wonder how many. I'm sure a lot of authors encounter that when they're writing a character who has 
such a severe difference, you know, like a severe anxiety or severe depression, writing them and getting into their heads is, you know, it puts you into that, that same place almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, if you're writing about someone who is depressed, you're, you know, it's sad. And, and I think it, you know, it it impacts how you're feeling as you're going through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Wow. Yeah. I think other other than that, though, um, she's she's got some biases and even that she's she's a mixed race lesbian woman. um, But throughout the the book, it becomes quite clear that Louisa definitely has her biases. Um, And I wanted, you know, I wanted to include that because, you know, just because a person is queer or is, you know, everyone has biases. Mm hmm. And so throughout the series, she's she's got to work through them. Okay. So does she kind of become aware of her biases as she goes along? Yeah, she starts to become aware of them because she becomes aware of how other people are reacting to her biases mm. and kind of how they're impacting other people. Yeah. Uh, she, she's not always as introspective as she could be. And so it's sometimes it, it makes, it, you know, it takes another person. Mm-hmm pointing it out for her to see it yeah definitely that's that's true in life oh absolutely yeah yeah so um so you have a i think as a a, you have another job in the writing world right um oh yeah what what do you do so my i've always pretty much been in the writing world i've had pretty much every kind of writing job you can have i think (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I started out teaching English composition um, for college students. I actually also taught English to students in South Korea for a little while. Um, And then for a while, I ran writing centers at universities. But what I've been doing for the past couple years, I have my own business. I started my own business uh, and I primarily do grant writing. Uh-huh. Okay. So my clients are, you know, universities, um, some of the tribes, some nonprofits, not all kinds of nonprofits, really. So I write grants for them and, and help them find funding and, and do things like that. But then I also do some editing uh, and consulting, even on creative pro- uh, writing projects hmm. uh, as well. So all kinds of writing. <laughs> yeah, that is like the total opposite grant writing. And, <laughs> and and World writing a murder mystery. Yeah. yeah. And I always joke that, you know, grant writing is very technical. There's a lot of persuasion kind of in it. But it is, it is still telling a story. Yeah. You know, a good grant tells the story of the project and why it's needed in the of the community, especially when I write for the Native American tribes, you know, it's, telling the story of their community is so important Mm -hmm. because those stories often aren't known. Yeah. And if I, and if I want to get them a grant, then the funder has to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So it is storytelling. The problem with grants uh, and grant writing is that you're, you're usually limited in the number of words or pages. Oh, uh, drives me wild. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I need, I need more pages to tell this whole story. Yeah. And it's funny because I sit down and I'll I'll look at a grant and I'll go, oh, 150 page narrative. Yes. And then I'm on like a page 160. I'm like, I need more time. (laughs) (laughs) You end up condensing it down. But you know, that's that's just always, that's always a writing challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Even in, in novel writing, right? Oh, absolutely. I I remember uh, one author, 
I think it was Allie Valley told me that like her first novel she wrote, uh, she sent it to Bold Strokes and they broke it up into I think three different novels. <laughs> it was so long. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could I could see myself doing that. And actually, my my editor always kind of jokes because I think the first draft of Come Find Me was like a hundred thousand words. She's like, "This is really long." <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'll see if I can cut that down, but yeah. And, and with crime, thankfully, you can get away with it. Yeah, uh, novels tend to be a little bit longer than a lot of other types of novels. Yeah, like I think you know, romance are usually like what between oh, yeah. like sixty-four and eighty or somewhere around there, a lot shorter. Um, so yeah, awesome. So um, that explains why you travel around so much, right? Yeah, kind of. So yeah, I, I lived in, in Indiana for a long time. I worked for a university there. And when I started my own business, I realized, you know, I, I could work from anywhere. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> Sold my house and I packed up my dog and uh, we move every two to three months and we move all around the country. And it's kind of cool because sometimes I will get to meet clients that, that I've only worked with remotely. Oh, yeah. uh, I lived in New Orleans. A bunch of clients were down there for a big conference. And so I got to actually meet some of them face to face, which was fun. cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a fun way to live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fun. That's, you know, uh, I know quite a few people who kind of took up that, uh, that life during COVID, like during the pandemic, yes. they were like, yeah, yeah, I can start working from home. And so I'm getting an RV and I'm just yeah. <laughs> going where I want to. You know. Yeah, I thought about the RV route, but I don't, RVs are, are, are kind of a lot of work by themselves. So I actually yeah. stay in short term rentals generally. Yeah, it seems like there's always something broken in an RV. <laughs> <laughs> and they're expensive to fix. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and it always takes a while for the parts to come in. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, your consulting business, um, <laughs> so are you work with other writers, like you've been doing this for a long time. And um, are there any like tips that you find yourself repeating over and over to writers? Like, you know, <laughs> you need to do this or you're doing, you know. Um... Oh, there's so many of them. <laughs> type of writing is different. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that the tip that I end up giving the most is simplify. Um, I think a lot of for a lot of people, whether they're writing a grant or whether they're writing a book, for a lot of people, they have this great idea. And when they tell it to you, they express it beautifully. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they sit down to start to try and write it out, it's like they get caught in the language mm -hmm. and they overcomplicate it. And then they're like, oh, no, I can't do it, um, which is when they tend to find me when they've gotten to that, like, oh, I just can't write this. Um, so what I always tell people is, is keep it simple. And if you're, if you have an idea that you're having trouble getting down on paper, talk it out, mm -hmm. um, you know, like explain the idea to a friend or a writing tutor, or even just like pick up your, your phone and record yourself talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then just write from that. Yeah. Um, Cause the way that for a lot of people, the way that they talk is much clearer. Um, and you can always, you know, add, add different language to it later rephrase it later but the, the important thing is to just get the basic idea down yeah uh, yeah and so, that makes sense because we yeah. are you know uh mostly you know we tell stories orally um most right. of us so yeah yeah well and it's you know 
I, I forget who said the quote, the first draft is you just telling the story to yourself. Oh, um, I like that. I think, yeah, I think people forget that, especially in, in academic writing. People feel like they have to kind of prove something. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be highfalutin, you know, the language mm -hmm. has to be complicated. You know, someone should need a dictionary if they're reading it. And that's that's not the sign of good writing. I think the sign of, of good writing is to be able to take a complicated theory or story and tell it in a way that anyone can understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's those, that. those academics, they're always trying to impress other people. <laughs> well, and that's, they're taught to write like that by people who were taught to write like that. So it's almost like gatekeeping in a way. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. So, um, well, that's cool. That's great. Simplify. That's a, a great, uh, a great tip. And I can understand why that would, you know, keep coming up over and over again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As, as humans, I think we just, we really like to complicate things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Bailey, we are almost out of time. Um, but I wanted to see uh, if you could tell us where our listeners um, can get your book, uh, Come Find Me in the Midnight Sun. Where would they go to to purchase that book? Well, the first place they can go is, of course, the Bold Strokes website. Okay. Um, it releases there, I believe, on November 1st. Then mm -hmm. November 14th, they should be able to find it in Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. I think I've seen it on, like, the Target website. Oh, cool. Uh, Yes, it keeps popping up, and I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> uh, so pretty much anywhere books are sold, uh, mid-November, they'll be able to find it. That's and then the second book is coming in June. Awesome. And the second book is called The Land of Death and Devil's Club. Yes. Awesome. We will look for I that. like a long and complicated title. <laughs> I know. Those are mouthfuls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they make sense, you know. Uh, if you know what the book's about, it makes sense. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, Bailey, do you have any parting words for our listeners today? Yeah. And I know you always do the parting words. And so I'm ready. All right. So, so I'm going to say for any other writers out there, do yourself a favor and adopt an old dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, so like, like I said, I've got a, I've got a senior dog and I'm convinced that having an old dog makes you a better writer. Because they, so like, like my dog, when I take her out walking, they're, they're slow moving. Mm -hmm. They stop a lot. They mm -hmm. notice all the details. Yes. They'll stop and sniff the same rock for like five minutes. Yes. But it makes me stop and like really check out that rock. Like, hey, you know, what's so special about this? And you, you end up absorbing all these details that you normally miss that when you go to write a book and you need a good setting, those details are right there at the ready. Wow. So, that's, dogs they pay attention they do they do uh and that is so funny that you say that because i have a 13 year old dog who oh. i i said oh my goodness she is getting just like my mom was like <laughs> yes. walk a little bit stop look around yes <laughs> harley is the same way and, she, and you know she makes me more social too which i'm a i'm naturally an incredibly introverted person i can go a week and not see anyone and i'm fine but she makes me get out of the house and, and talk to people because, you know, everybody wants to pet a dog. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. It's, it's good for me. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's nice. That's right. And, and those are great words for listeners. Adopt an old dog. Everyone should. Yes. So, 
All right. Well, Bailey, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a pleasure to talk with you. And we will look for your book, Come Find Me in the Midnight Sun, published by Bold Strokes Books. It uh, comes out November 1st um, through Bold Strokes. And then on November 14th or after November 14th, you can find it anywhere you buy your books. Um, Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, And that is all the time we have for today. I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Liz. Talk about books, baby. So until next time, may your journey be lighthearted. Peace be plenty and be safe, folks.